You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Excited, hopefully you are. Uh, it's incredible to uh, have you visiting if it's your first time here at church. We want you to feel loved and encouraged and so we, uh, we wrap our arms around you during the fellowship break and we give you what's called a side hug right there. In Romans 16 it says to greet one another with a holy kiss. Well we don't do the holy kiss, we do the holy hug right there. So you may have gotten a few holy hugs if you're visiting for the first time and we need to do that not only for those visiting but even for us as disciples. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6. The title of the lesson today is the invisible realm of angels and demons. The invisible realm of angels and demons. You know it's great having Colton and uh, Mandy to lead the campus of course for those that uh, are in the church, we understand that they are on a missionary journey scouting out Boston because they're going to be planting a church there. Amen? And of course, we've got their little angel with us. That is little angel Haley. And she's an angel almost all of the time. It's just been great God setting us on up and preparing us because, of course, we have a little angel ourselves that will be born very soon. As my wife, of course, is about five months pregnant, so be praying for us right there. We found out it's going to be a little baby girl. The invisible realm of angels and demons. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of god so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes you know right here paul the apostle of course is imprisoned at this particular time and of course he doesn't make a negative out of a negative situation he has faith even though he was in jail when he wrote this he sees the prisoner he sees the roman soldier and even though he's in jail he comes up with a way to see god as sovereign in it all And it says here, he says, therefore, in verse 13, well, verse 12, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. I mean, Paul is sitting there. He's looking at that Roman prisoner. He's in jail for the gospel. And he just starts, he starts going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me, he sees his belt. He goes, I need to put on the belt of truth. He says, he's got on that physical armor. I need to put on the armor of God. And he turned a negative into a positive. Are you guys with me there? Says with the breastplate of righteousness. And of course, righteousness is a breastplate because it guards our heart. He says in verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He says, the gospel, your feet got to be ready to share your faith. That's what your feet are for. You got to be ready to move. Because if you're in a movement, you move. Are you with me here? He says, in addition to all of this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He says extinguishing those arrows is a matter of faith. Take up the helmet of salvation. He says you need to protect your mind with the fact that you are saved. He says you need to put on the helmet of salvation that guards you from thinking about anything else and not being grateful because we can always be grateful that we are saved. Are you with me here, church? He says in the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And the church said, I mean, this is an incredible passage. And Paul just highlights that we don't only live in a physical world, but a spiritual world. That this isn't just a, 
and, and at this particular time, it wasn't just about the physical battle against Christianity. It was about the spiritual battle. And of course, in the spiritual battle, there are a couple of forces that work. There are angels and there are demons. He says, those are, those are two, those are our, our power. He says, in verse 12, our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Of course, those spiritual forces of evil are demons. But in the heavenly realms, they're not, you, there are spiritual forces of good. There are angels. A few facts about angels. The Hebrew for the word angel is malak. The Greek is angelios. Both mean messenger. Number two. Angels are the messengers of the word of God, but they also bring the message of judgment. Number three. In the Old Testament, the word angel appears 108 times. In the New Testament, 186 times. That's a total of 294 times in the Bible. The word angel is in 34 of the 66 books of the Bible. Bottom line, it's in the Bible more than the word Christian and more than the word disciple. Number four. Angels are created beings. They do not propagate, in other words. They don't reproduce. Psalms chapter 148, verse 2 through 5, talks about how the heavens were created and how angels were created as well. Number five. Angels worship God. Nehemiah 9, verse 6. And angels are also righteous. Jude, chapter 1, verse 9. Number 6. Angels are spirits for the most part. Invisible spirits. You don't really see those invisible spirits. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5 through 7 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Number 7. They're ministering spirits and so they are invisible. But the other thing to be noted is that at the command of God, an angel can take on the appearance of a man. Number 8. And of course that's in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19 or 18 and 19 number 8 angels are genderless Matthew chapter 22 verse uh, 30 however when they are appeared and shown to us in the Bible most of the time they're presented as masculine the only exception is Zechariah chapter 5 verse 9 where there's a vision of an angel that's a woman amen sisters so you guys are angels Number nine. Angels are powerful. They are powerful. In one night, one angel killed 185,000 of the enemies of God, the Assyrians, in Isaiah chapter 37, verse 36. So angels are powerful. Number 10. Revelation chapter 5, verse 7 says there's 10,000 upon 10,000. So there's a lot of angels. (laughs) There's a lot of protection. Number 11. There are only three angels who are named in the Bible. Only three that are actually have names. Michael. Come on, Michael. I'm coming. Gabriel. And Satan. Angels are independent thinkers. They're independent thinkers. After all, Luke chapter 15 verse 7 says they rejoice over every sinner who repents. Amen? Amen. And so we surmise there that (coughs) angels are holy. When you're holy, you're happy. Are you happy this morning? Amen. You're an angel. (laughs) Revelation chapter 12, point number one. You guys still with me here? Let's dig into our text. You're in a battle of good and evil. You are in a battle of good and evil. Revelations 12, verse 7. 
and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he wasn't strong enough. They lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil. Or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He's hurled to the earth. And his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, See, it took a loud voice to help me become a disciple. John says, I heard a loud voice. And of course, John wrote this particular passage of scripture. John wrote this, and of course, John at this particular time, there, there was a great persecution that had broken on out. John had been sentenced, sentenced to the islands of Patmos, where he wrote this particular account. And on the islands of Patmos, he had been boiled to death. He had been boiled to death, but he did not die. Even after being boiled to death and having all of that pain, he delivered one of the most powerful books in the Bible, the book of Revelations. And so we see right here that, 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 that he fought. He stayed in the battle. John stayed and he delivered this to us that really gives us great encouragement. He says, I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ. For the accuser of our brother. See, Satan just accuses you. Mm. What are you doing here? Yeah. You're not really a disciple. Right. What, what are you trying to be holy for? What are you trying to live the Christian life for? Uh, I, I know what you did this weekend. You can't do it. I mean, that's, that is the heart of Satan. He accuses the brothers. Since he accuses them before God day and night. It's been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. By the word of their testimony. They didn't love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He's filled with fury. He knows his time is short. And the church said, this is an incredible battle. This is an intense battle. And of course, we find right here that Satan loses the battle. And he gets thrown to the earth. And not only does he get thrown to the earth, his angels get thrown to the earth. And when he's on earth, he leads the entire world astray. Satan and his angels. And you see this, you go, wow, the battle is over. God got the victory over Satan, and God got the victory. Michael did get the victory right here. Do you see that? That didn't encourage me with the Lakers this week. They didn't get the victory, but the battle is not over. The battle is not over. That's the Los Angeles Lakers. Sorry there, guys. But Michael won this battle right here. And so often I've read that and I go, wow, the battle, the fight is fixed. And in a sense, Jesus did overcome. Jesus won the battle. Michael won the battle. But the battle isn't over. The war is not over. Look at verse 17. Says then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring. Those who obey the commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. He says, the dragon was enraged. Of course, we understand the dragon is Satan. We understand the woman is the Jewish nation. And we understand her offspring are disciples. Those who obey the commandments. And oftentimes we can look at things in a physical sense and forget that Satan is down here to make war against us. And that you are in a battle of good and evil. You're in a battle of good and evil. We've got to accept that. That it is a spiritual battle battle. Now we understand God wants us to evangelize the nations in one generation. Amen. That, that is the heart of God. Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 through 20. And I appreciated that prayer by our brother Yuri this morning right there. Just the heartsy prayer that we're going to get to every single nation. But see the, the heart of Satan is to enslave all nations in one generation. To lead all nations astray in one generation. To accuse all nations in one generation. That's the heart of Satan. Yeah. And we see this epic battle. And of course, as disciples, you got a choice. 
as a Christian, you got a choice. You can be a spectator. You can be a victim. Or you can be a warrior. You can be a hero for the Lord. And you can get involved with the fight to save the world. Are you guys with me here? You know, me and Michelle were talking this week and we were just kind of explaining our pasts. And the great thing about uh, a Christian marriage is that you just have that great friendship. And me and Michelle, we were just kind of talking about our past. And she was sharing how, when she was a young girl, how she she had become the vice president. And uh, this, of course, was her middle school. And and she was sharing. And I was like, and then she goes, well, and I started sharing. Oh, well, you know, honey, I had something similar. You know, I I actually, they actually, I became the president. And Michelle goes, are you trying to one-up me? I saw she looked at me like that. She was trying to, no, babe, I I did not. I'm not trying to one-up you right here. I'm not. This is God setting things up even when we were young right there. So that, that's just the Lord, the way he does it sometimes. And, uh, but I had to confess, even though I had become the president uh, and I'd become, dare we say, the archangel of my middle school, I wasn't always an angel. There was a time where I was a demon. <laughs> I was a little, I was bad. And I was just getting in fight after fight after fight after fight. And sadly, there were some things that were, were, were going on in the school that I, I went to. It was, a, it was a predominantly white school. And there were was, there was some, some, some racial names that were thrown my way. And instead of really just telling the teachers, I, I, I would just get into it. Uh, and I would fight. Uh, and I'd get mad and I'd fight again. And they'd look at me and I'd just go fight again. And I, and I, just, I just was a little demon. Everybody was scared of me and everything. And uh, it was such a radical change the next year after a teacher got in there with me uh, that they thought, wow, this guy's changed so much. We, 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 he, he's got so much influence. We're going to make him the president. I didn't know what I was doing. I was sitting there as a, the, the young president of the school now after I've transitioned from, from, from little demon to, to an angel. I, I, I don't know what we're going to do, guys, but let's just not fight. You know? But the crazy thing, the crazy thing is as, as a young man, and, and young guys sometimes like to fight. Uh, I, I remember a story, and uh, shame, shameful to mention it, but uh, I'll never forget there was a gal who, uh, me and her used to just get into it. And we would tell, uh, we would tell your mama jokes. And this, this girl, uh, I mean, uh, she, 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 was, she was intense. Uh, she, she would tell these jokes against me and, you know, and she'd say negative things. And, and then there was a couple other people that would say negative things. And, and I'd come back at her and I'd say these negative things. And, and I'll never forget, uh, one day, she, 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 you know, she just got ticked off at me saying the, the, the jokes back to her. And she just came up to me and she just, pow, she just slapped me. I, pow, I slapped her right back. <laughs> She looked at me, she popped, she slapped me again. I I slapped her back. I was a little demon. That was me as a young man. Always fighting. And yet we see now, spiritually, that we take hits from Satan. And we got to fight back. Yeah. You don't want to do it the way I did and beat up on a girl right there, amen? <laughs> but you're in a battle. Yeah. Christians forget that. We forget, we, we, we look at the visible and we forget that we are in a spiritual battle. And that if we're going to win the battle, if we're going to really win the battle of good and evil, we've got to use righteous weapons. Yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7. says, in truthful speech... And in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. You say, well, what are, what are our weapons? What are our weapons? Well, of course, in Revelations, we see some of the weapons they used. But the Bible talks about other weapons. Prayer is a weapon. James chapter 4, verse 18. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Moved God not to destroy a nation before a man was able to get out his family member. And that was, of course, with Abraham. One of the most powerful things in the world 
is the prayer of a righteous man, the prayer of a righteous woman. It is a weapon against the devil to be able to call on the power of God to listen to you, to change a situation. Prayer is a weapon. And you got to ask yourself this morning, have you been using the weapon? You know, see, for me, I, I, I saw this week how weak I got when we had our brothers fast right there on Wednesday. I mean, that, that was a challenge right there. We fasted and we prayed and, and it was great. I got a chance to pray with my brother Annie right there. And we just got out there and we, we, we were just praying and, you know, just pouring our hearts out to God. And, and it was great. And then Annie left and about two hours later, I needed to pray again. <laughs> just, like, just praying. And it was great because God gave me this peace and, and, I, and I felt strong. And I go, wow. And I started struggling again. I prayed. God gave me a little bit more strength. I go, wow, this is a, this is a pretty cranking weapon. And I started realizing I need to use prayer as my weapon much more often. Prayer. And you got to ask yourself, has prayer stopped you from sinning? Or has sin stopped you from praying? Are you using that weapon? Prayer is an incredible weapon. You know, we need to be praying for our brother Steve Frazier. We need to be praying for him. He's got a challenge in his family. We need to be praying for him. We need to be praying for uh, all the disciples that are in the campus ministry right there taking their exams. We need to pray that they get good grades right there. Jamil looked at me today and he had the light in his eyes. I said, bro, you got the exam on Monday? He goes, I'm done. And so he was just fired up. But we need to be praying that they get those good grades right there. And for those who are still uh, in, the, in the throes of those exams, we need to be using that prayer for our campus. You know, we need to be praying for uh, just the church, the forceful advancement of the church. And uh, I'm, I'm excited uh, to pray uh, because God is really doing some incredible things. You know, there, there are a lot of disciples that are out there that are what we call remnant disciples. Yeah. Disciples that were a part of our former fellowship. And last week, it was, it was, it was incredible having uh, Martin and Teresa come all the way down from Ireland just to connect with us yeah. and just to be with us. And they, they are moving here, guys. They are moving here. But we got to be praying for them. We got to be praying. Prayer is a weapon. You know another weapon? Matthew chapter 6 verse 14. Forgiveness. That's a weapon against the devil. That, 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 that will tick the devil off. When you decide to forgive. When something happens to you that's wrong, that's unrighteous, that is not supposed to be a, a, a positive. You feel like demons have... And you decide to forgive. Satan gets ticked off. That you say, I'm going to forgive you, brother. I'm going to forgive you, sister. You know, this was one of the weapons that I personally had to use. At the age of 14, after being abandoned, my mom broke down, divorced my stepdad, lost all hope, attacked by demons. Before you know it, she was on drugs. And me and all my brothers in a home by ourselves, 14 years old, it was a challenge. We overcame that challenge. We grew up, still went to university, held my head high. God, I believe God even was with me during that time. And it was great because I, I was able to kind of build a life for myself. But when I got old enough to understand the real impact, I was very bitter at my mother. And of course, being bitter at her, I was bitter at other people. And I would cloud it with the whole thing of, I don't trust. No, 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 no. You don't forgive, Michael. That's the issue. I don't trust. No, no, no. You don't forgive. See, when I, I would say, I don't trust, it, that sounds kind of noble. Oh, you don't trust. Oh, I understand you've gone through a lot. But I'd forgotten about all the sins and all the things that, had, all the times I'd abandoned Jesus Christ. And all the sins I'd put him on. And I had to decide to use God's weapon to forgive. Are you a forgiving man? Are you a forgiving woman? Are you known for your forgiveness? Did you use that against the devil? Things happen and you go, amen. Jesus died for me. I'm going to forgive. 
We need to be a church that preaches forgiveness. That believes in forgiving one another. That believes in forgiving folks that have hurt us in our past. Because if we are going to reach all nations, it's going to take a lot of forgiveness. Why do you think we got wars? People don't want to forgive. And Satan is fired up. He is excited about that. But all we as disciples got to do is use that weapon. You know, another weapon to use is faith. Faith is a weapon against the devil. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 to 4, it says, This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. See, they're only burdensome when you lack faith. That's when they become burdensome. When, 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 when the command and your faith run up next to each other, and you just go, no, 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 no. Ah, oh, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. Submit to my husband. Oh. Lead my marriage. Oh, I don't want to do that. Be pure as a single. Oh, that's, that's hard. And you can lack faith. I'm not in a soul out. I need to move all the way across the country to go be with a soul out. Oh, that's hard. It's a burden. No, 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 no. It's a faith issue. It's an issue of faith. The Bible says right here, his commands are not burdensome. You got to believe that. Faith is a weapon. You know, I remember when we planted church here in, in London, and it was great. The remnant came around. We had our inaugural service, and there was a young man who, uh, who, who stood out in the, the, the audience that day. Uh, he stood out because he was quite tall, uh, quite a bit taller than me. And so instead of looking at him like this, I looked at him like this. And uh, he was just full of energy, and he just loved to talk and fellowship and everything. And he just starts pouring out his heart and, and, and sharing, and we, we have this great conversation. Well, over the course of time, it, it becomes clear to him that the church that he was in just was not preaching the word of God. They weren't overcoming the devil. They weren't sharing. They, 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 and he was, in himself, very humble man. And he just, he just man, I don't, I don't know if I have the faith. I don't know. You go, who is that? that? That's our brother today, Anton Sabansky, right there in the back there. Now, Anton, is a, uh, he's a handsome guy, but he's, he's quite tall. And, uh, you know, and, and so we were talking in a fellowship right there, and I'm looking up to Anton like this. And I says, Anton, I used to play basketball. And he goes, you did? Yes, I did, Anton. I know. Just have faith here, brother. Have faith. You know, Ant Anton has just said, you know, hey, I I I'm tired of being frozen by fear. Amen. See, faithless people get frozen by fear. What could happen? Ooh. And you're defeated on fear alone, not on that thing actually happening. I mean, that's what happened with David and Goliath. Goliath made people afraid. He hadn't done anything. It was all talk. And so Anton just says, you know, I'm tired of being afraid. And we had this intense talk a few weeks ago. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning. You remember that there, Anton? Anton goes, yeah, I remember that time. And I, I said, Anton, you, you got to have faith, brother. Because oh, I don't have a job down there in London. How am I going to move? You got to have faith, brother. You need to come. Because oh, I don't know. They may not embrace me. I go, no, 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 no. They will embrace you, brother. We need a big warrior like you. He goes, okay. Okay, all right, we had a great talk. Anton is here today, and he even has found himself a job. Anton is going to be moving to London here to be with us, to overcome the devil by faith. He just said, I'm going to step out on faith, and God gave him a job. Isn't that awesome? And he's here, he's here today to worship, and we're talking, he goes, well, where am I going to live? Where am I, I got a job, and what, what am I going to say? Don't, don't worry. God gave you a job, he's going to take care of the rest, Anton. Oh, right. See, a weapon against the devil is to step out on faith. Yeah. You're studying the Bible, and you're afraid to become a Christian, you got to step out on faith. You just got to do it. Faith is a weapon. And of course, in the Revelations chapter 12, in verse 11, evangelism is a weapon against the devil. Yes. Just something the church wants you to do. It isn't just something you do that's kind of, it's a weapon against the devil to get out there and talk about the gospel message and share your faith. 
You know, I'm excited. Uh, you know, of course, the, the, the announcement that Jock made today that we're going to have a men's night out. And oftentimes, you can come in when it's men's night out. And sometimes you come in, sometimes too long, you get inward focus. So you need to get out. Christianity is an outdoor sport. And so we as the men in the church, we're going to be out sharing on Wednesday night. And we're not just going to be randomly sharing. We're going to knock on some doors, baby. We're going to go knock on doors and we're going to go find the people that need to become disciples. We're going to go find those folks. We're going to use that weapon. We're going to go find that married couple that are thinking about a divorce. And we're going to preach the word to them. We're going to find that single who's enslaved to pornography. We're going to preach the word. We're going to go find that that, that young lady who is depressed because of what's going on in her marriage. And she's on Prozac. And we're going to preach the word. Evangelism is a weapon. Are you using that weapon against the devil? You're in a battle of good and evil. And we've got to use the weapons of righteousness. Number two. Things taught by demons. Mark chapter 1. You guys still with me here? There are things that are taught by demons. And if we're going to be able to glean some insight, we've got to look at the demonic. The demon-possessed man. And glean insight from what we can learn from him throughout the scriptures. Mark chapter 5. We're going to look at some of the parallel accounts so we can really kind of milk this particular individual and find out what the Lord wants to teach us this morning. Mark chapter 1, or chapter 5, verse 1. It says they went across the lake to the region of Gersenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. I mean, how'd you like that for a welcome? You don't get a side hug. You get a man with an evil spirit. You know, just come. Jesus just stays cool about it. He's just like, okay, amen. Let me help this guy on out. Give a little D time with him. Says, says this man lived in the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore. I mean, this guy was hopeless. I mean, he, you couldn't disciple him. No one could bind him. Not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he'd cry out and cut himself with stones. You know, sadly, we live in a generation where where people actually cut themselves because they want to feel something. They are so numb. They're so demon-possessed. Yeah. I've met individuals that because they, 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 they're so angry, they don't even feel the pain that's happened to them over the course of life. And so they cut themselves just so they can feel something. Yeah. And yet this man is possessed by the demon of anger. And he's just cutting himself. This is when he saw Jesus from a distance. He ran and fell on his feet. It fell in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? Swear to God, torture me. Jesus said to him, Come out of that man, you evil spirit. He said, Jesus didn't back down from evil spirits. He just says, You come out of that man. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion. Had to be a freaky scene right there. What is your name? My name is Legion. It's had it like one of those horror films, you know. Legion. He's got all these demons in him. He says, For we are many. We are many. He had a lot of issues. There were a lot of demons in him. He begged Jesus again and again not to send them into send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the near hillside. The demon begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the evil spirits, there's the demons, came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see 
What had happened? When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressing in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. See, they told about the pigs because they were, they were concerned about the cost. See, those pigs, a pig costs about 150 pounds, one pig. And of course, the demons went into the pigs. And so we see that there was a financial cost to heal this man of his demons. 150 a pig? That's about $300,000. $300, pigs were used by the Gentiles. Pigs were value. Pigs were money. And so you see the financial value of one. What's one soul worth? What is your, it's priceless, that's right. Is there a price you put on a soul? Is there a price that you put on the salvation of an individual? I mean, is there really a price that you could place on seeing somebody saved? And right here we see there was a high price to pay to get this man filled with demons. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Wow! Leave the region. They're not fired up that this guy is healed. They're ticked off because they saw the value. They saw the money issue. See, the love of money is a thing taught by demons. As Jesus was getting to the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus didn't let him, but said, go home to your family and tell... See, even, see Jesus was always sending people out. <laughs> he was like, dude, I know you want to hang out. I know you want to come to my house. You need to go preach the work. <laughs> I've healed you on, I got you fixed on up right there, okay? You need to just hang out with me and be friends. I, you know, I want you to go out and preach the word right there. He just says, go home to your family and tell how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed and the church said, Amen. This is an incredible account. There's so many things for us to learn from the demonic. And legend says that this man actually became the preacher. Wow. So you see the cost of a preacher. It's very high. Most preachers had a lot of demons. You're looking at one. There's a lot of demons driven out of me. You talk to the other preacher. You talk to Colton Roan. There were some demons driven out of that. He's a handsome guy, but there were some demons driven out of him. You talk to Blaze Fumba, the fiery preacher who led 22 churches there. and Even Blaze had some demons on in there. Yet there's no price to pay for a man who's still fighting. For a man who still has faith. When other men didn't have the guts to say, I want to get back into the battle. When they didn't have the faith to say, I, I want to admit my wrongdoings. And sign back on up with God's people. Their brothers out there, they don't have that faith. And yet we have a brother who's got that faith. And he's still fighting the battle. The cost to get that preacher, to get preachers, man, it, it's a high cost. And you can't be ticked off at the cost like these people. You guys with me here? Yeah. Let's, let's pick through some things to learn about this thing here. First of all, look at the lifestyle of the demonic. One of loneliness. One of violence. One of anger. One of bitterness. Dare we say one of weirdness. We're going to see that in one of the parallel passages. He walked around with no clothes on. Yeah. That's weird, isn't it? Can you imagine doing a Bible study there at Costa Cafe and the guy walks in and you're just like, oh my goodness. Dude, let's get you a little cloth right there before we do discipleship right there. And that sounds far-fetched. But yet you look at the women and the way they're dressed. And it's no different walking around with no clothes on. Highlighting their insecurity. Demon-possessed. We see this man controlled by all these things. There's only one statement that I can... I, I, I can pain. 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 Physically, he cut himself. Pain emotionally. 
lonely, self-loathing, depressive. Demons had really made him depressed, made him think less of himself. I can't do it. That's right, you can't. God can do it. God doesn't create rubbish. And yet this man had, had just a tremendous amount of emotional pain. The self-love. Negative thinking. He just was negative. Why? He was possessed by evil spirits, not the Holy Spirit. And so we see that when, when, when you're negative, get that depressive on you, that self-loathing, that anger, that bitterness, that rage, you don't have the Holy Spirit. These are things taught by demons. Things taught by demons. Turn to John chapter 13. You guys still with me here? You know, a lot of disciples don't realize, I, I didn't realize that as a young Christian. I, I got baptized and I was just excited. But I, as I began to dig into the Bible, I realized that we are not just physical beings. We are actually spiritual beings. So there's a, there, we're physical, but we are also spiritual beings. And that, that, that means we can, we can be filled with the Spirit. I always wonder, what does that mean? Well, to be filled with the Spirit just means there's nothing else in there. You're, you're, you're doing well spiritually. There's no back door. There's no second exit. You're filled with the Spirit. God's Holy Spirit. And we talked about last week. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. So we have no excuses. Amen? But because we are spiritual beings, demons can enter us. John chapter 13 verse 27 says, As soon as Jesus, Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. I mean, that has to be the, one of the most frightening scriptures in the world for me. I mean, Satan got in there. And I started looking at that. I go, wow. As soon as he took the bread, Satan went into his heart. And I started, I thought, okay, how, how, how did that happen? Was, was it, was it, I even started trying to get super spiritual. Was it the bread? Was it, what was it? Was it, he, maybe he didn't eat the right kind of, no, 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 no. He just made a decision. He made a decision to betray Jesus. And the moment he made that decision, a demon entered him. What do we learn? Soon as we decide, see, Decisions are on you. Yeah. Effort is about you and you. You can't blame the church. You can't blame your husband, your wife. You can't blame anybody for effort. Effort is between you and you. It's just, it's just all about you when it comes to your effort and how hard you work in your relationship with God. But when you decide to disobey, when you decide to take that bread, that decision, that's the moment that demon comes in. You know, even this week, there, there are a couple of situations that happen and I just... Oh, I just got ticked off. <laughs> you know? And I read this passage. I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, you can feel it. When you, when you get that bitterness, you get that hardness that comes on your heart right there. Right. And I, there are a few situations that got me, got me a little frustrated right there. And, and, and I went, oh my gosh, a demon just entered. <laughs> Good, let me, okay, let me decide to drive that demon out right now. <laughs> let me get fired on up in the Lord, confess that, and, 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 and get back into the battle. Come on. When we decide to disobey, that's when the demons enter. So demon, so this is a decision. It's a decision. You decide to give your contribution, the spirit rejoices. You decide not to give your contribution, a demon enters. You decide to be harsh with your wife, demon enters. You decide, ah. To have compassion on your wife. The spirit rejoices. You decide to tear your husband down for his weaknesses. A demon enters. You decide to build him up and be that rib. Be that, 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 that be next to him. That's why it was a rib. Ne to be next to each other. Side by side. The spirit rejoices. You decide to discipline your kids. The spirit rejoices. You decide not, and they become little demons. <laughs> you decide to float around with that fall away. Who fell away because of sexual impurity, and a demon enters you. 
decide to preach the word to that following saying, hey, the light is on, the door is open. You need to come back to God. And the spirit rejoices. We decide to look for lost souls. The angels rejoice. You decide to go online and look for some gossip. Ooh, is there some gossip? The demon enters you. There's gossip about everything. Let me just lay it out. We, our church is called everything you can think of. They're a cult. They're too hard line. They're culty. They go by the Bible. <laughs> wow. Is that a cult? That goes by the Bible? That calls people to obey the scriptures? There's all kind of negative things said about us. Things taught by demons. Those who hold to the teachings are the only hope for this world. Demons can enter us. But we've got to do things to build up the spirit. Luke chapter 8. You guys still with me here? Let's look at this guy again. Let's glean another insight. It says in Luke chapter 8 verse 27. It says when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes <laughs> or lived in a house, but had lived in tombs. This man had lost all sense of moral decency. He, he, he lost all his senses. Completely immoral. No clothes on. Hard-hearted. That, that, that's the, this, I believe that's the generation we live in. We live in that kind of generation, guys. We just got to talk about it this morning. He lost all sense of moral decency. No clothes on. Dare we say, we, we, we call that in, in Los Angeles the sin of weirdness. <laughs> that impurity, that weirdness right there. It's like, oh, that's, that's, that's a little weird right there. That, 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 that impurity going on. And that's the generation that we live in. We don't, we don't say abortion. Uh, we don't say murder. We say abortion. We don't want the true gravity of the word of God to hit our hearts. These are things taught by demons. Who are we? Who are you? To take the life of a child. And to call it a woman's right. We live in a world that embraces homosexuality. Glorifies it. Calls it an alternative lifestyle. That's the world we live in. Oh, it's an alternative. It's an option for you. In fact, we could even teach it to our kids. That's, that's the world. Pornography is not pornography. Now it's free speech. These are things taught by demons. And sadly, even disciples can decide to let demons enter them. And I believe pornography is demonic. It steals faith. It steals hope. It hurts people. It ruins families. That is the world we live in. You know, there's a story of a man that was a well-known man in the United States and actually around the world. This man had become one of the most noted serial killers. And I want to read a few excerpts from something he had to say at the end of his life. Because, of course, he was executed for his, his serial killing. But I want to read some things to you about him. This man was from Washington, the University of Washington, where I actually was going to go to college. Me and Michelle lived in Washington. And so this, this, this man lived in, in a pretty affluent neighborhood. And in one of the books... There's some things written about this guy. His name is Ted Bundy. And for those of you that know who Ted Bundy is, he, he was a very evil man. And in the book it says this. It says, if you're a guy at this point and you still consider yourself an exception from everyone who's able to manage their sexual sin, if you think you are special, this next section should get your attention. The former Seattle graduate of the University of Washington, Ted Bundy, became one of the most notorious and feared serial killers in world history. Why? Beating, raping, and then murdering at least 30 girls 
and women between the ages of 12 and 26. Shortly before he was executed, Bundy was interviewed by a quote-unquote Christian leader named James Dobson. Shockingly, Bundy admitted that he possessed none of the normal triggers for such sinful behavior. As he was raised in a very loving Christian home with five siblings and did not experience any sexual abuse or any negative things while growing up. Rather, he confessed in clear detail how as a young boy, as most boys do, he began viewing regular common pornography, which grew in its intensity to harder, harder and more deviant forms of pornography, and dare we say, things taught by demons. Over the course of time, he began to be possessed by these demons. Next, he began acting out those evil fantasies. Things taught by demons. And I'll, I'll, I'll stop right there. I just want to speak frankly. Pornography is taught by demons. Impurity is taught by demons. Yes. It is wrong before God. If you are involved in that sin, you, you've got to stop doing that. You, you, you've got to stop doing that. You've got to stop that sin. Makes me angry. Because I see what it does to marriages. I know what it did to me. And yet you got disciples. I'm not talking about just brothers. I'm talking even women. Who go there. It's evil. And if we're going to evangelize the nations in one generation, we can't be possessed by the demons of impurity. You say, I've fallen short. You got to get open. You got to get those demons out. And you got to repent. That's, see, repentance is also a weapon against the devil. When you decide to repent, that means you're going to change your mind. You're going to stop doing it and call others out of that darkness. Matthew chapter 8. You guys still with me here? Yeah. Bring it home here. Let's learn from this man one more time. It says, when he arrived at the other side of the region of Gersonis, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. Of course, the Bible says there were two demon-possessed men. And right here, another thing that's taught by demons is you can be alone. Demons teach isolation. We live in a time of social media. Facebook, MySpace. Powerful indeed. The internet is powerful. But it teaches loneliness. It teaches, oh, you got 1,200 friends. No, you don't. You don't have a thousand friends. You're deceived. See, demons are teaching you you got a bunch of friends. You don't have a bunch of friends. That's why I'm fired up about the kingdom because you got true friends where you truly connect. Don't be deceived by the devil. You got a thousand friends. I got one of my, my, my good friends. He's out of the side. He's got 3,000 friends. No, you don't. You don't have a bunch of friends. You are lonely. And it's evidenced by the pictures. I look at your pictures. You're lonely. I mean, and it's disciples. I mean, how does your Facebook look? Would your Facebook convert someone? Right. Or would they look at it and go, oh, that, yeah. what, what church are you part of? Yeah. Let me tell you something. I got baptized. I took every photo of every woman that I messed around with. I took every card. I took every email. I burned it. Because it had me enslaved. Yet you go on some disciples' Facebooks and I don't know. I don't know if I'd be inspired about your relationship with God. Things taught by demons. Isolation. And I, that's why I'm fired up about the church. Fired up about my different friendships. Fired up about, I got Blaze. I got, I got, I got the young. I got, oh, I, got, I got now my sister Christine Alamu right there. Of course, I got a chance to hang out with her brother this week. He's just an incredible, incredible man who, who teaches song. 
And he knows I got an agenda, and I know he's got an agenda, but we're, 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 we're building a friendship, a true connection, not one of isolation. Social media can fake you out. We live in a we, we, suicide. It's cool nowadays. It's cool. Ooh, cool, cool. Young people thinking that, you know, in the afterlife, okay, I'll have no more pain. When you have no idea the amount of pain that you will face if you face the fires of hell. The fires of hell are endless. Pain in hell is endless, Luke chapter 16. You will have sensation in hell. And people in heaven see people in hell. People in hell see people in heaven. I mean, I don't want to look down in heaven and see folks that I, I could have I got. I don't want to land in hell and look up there and see people that tried to get me. Things taught by demons. Things taught by demons. Galatians chapter 1. Demons teach a different gospel. Verse 6. Paul says, I'm astonished. You're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ. And are turning to a different gospel. Which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. Trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we've already said. So now I say again, if anybody... I mean, he has to say it twice. Is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted? Let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. And the church said, Amen. let me tell you something. Demons teach a different gospel. They teach a different gospel. The Bible teaches that we need to evangelize the nations in one generation. And yet there are churches that don't teach that. One, they don't have the faith. They don't believe it. And then there are others that call it wrong. Because they understand the commitment level. We even sadly have some from our, 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 our former brothers, former disciples, who are now teaching a different type of gospel. You may have become a disciple and someone may come to you and try and preach a different kind of gospel. Something that's a little bit more, I mean, not as committed, not as radical. I mean, not as, I mean, a little calmer gospel. A nicer, kinder, gentler gospel. One that doesn't mean that you're going to have division. Uh, a gospel that says, oh, we're not going to make, we're not, bapti- oh, you don't have to be baptized. Yeah. You can pray Jesus into your heart. That's a thing that's taught by demons. Yeah. Miracles. Let me tell you something. That's a thing that's taught by demons. That one man can go and do a miracle and heal somebody. And because the church is dead, they've got to create a show. That's what I have. And I'm not making fun. I'm just, I'm just laying it on out. I came from that background. And that whole thinking of miracles, because there are no true miracles happening in their church, there are no true people becoming truly disciples. They've got to create some miracles. Where did the Pentecostal movement came from? It came from where all good shows start. Los Angeles, California. Yeah. Hollywood. <laughs> the first Pentecostal preacher was from Hollywood. Don't get sucked into things taught by demons. First Corinthians, or First Corinthians chapter 13 says, miracles have ceased. Right. You know what's funny? I never forget talking to some individuals about miracles. The Bible teaches miracles. Oh, you got a hardline stance on the Bible teaching miracles. What about your hardline stance on the Bible saying miracles have ceased? See, you use the Bible to say miracles have happened, but you don't use the Bible to say miracles have ceased. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the spirit, spirit, a dove comes descending when Jesus came out of the water. I didn't see a dove come on little Ibby right there. There's no dove come on Ibby. Maybe a pigeon here in... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't get sucked into things taught by demons. Demons teach a different gospel. 
Faith alone saves you. Martin Luther, that's wrong. James chapter 1. James chapter 2, brother. It says, faith and deeds. You know, demons also teach, once sold out, always sold out. For you disciples. Once hard line, always hard line. No, 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 no. These are things taught by demons. And we as disciples got to make sure we're rooted in the word of God. You guys still with me here? Last point, Acts chapter 8. Angels are involved in salvation. Angels are involved in salvation. Of course, we're going to look at the Ethiopian eunuch here. This man is incredible. And it says here in verse 26, it says, Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in a chair reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. See, on his way home, because he was not a he could not get in. He wasn't Jewish. So he went and probably sat on the outside of the service, heard it, and then came home and still was reading his Bible. I mean, this guy was awesome. Yet we see in verse 26 that an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. You know, you ever felt that little tug on your spirit to go share your faith with that individual? You ever felt that little tug? You ever fought back? I fought back at times. I don't feel like sharing. People think I'm crazy sometimes. I don't, I don't feel like sharing right now. I gotta get Michelle wants me to get home. I gotta pick up something. I gotta get the milk. I don't know if I can share. The lady looks at me on the tube. like, you, you doing okay? Oh yeah, I'm doing fine, ma'am. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just fighting with the spirit right there. <laughs> By the way, I'm proud of the London International Christian Church. Which is, you know what I mean? Angels are involved, guys. Angels tug on your heart. <laughs> Unless they've stopped tugging. And you don't feel that anymore. And religion is just religion. You don't feel compelled. You don't feel prompted. I feel prompted. Hopefully you're still prompted to share your faith. The angels were involved in this man becoming a disciple. Verse 30 says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. I mean, this guy was reading out loud. Shows his boldness. You understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. I mean, he asked someone to come and study the Bible with him. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? His life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? I mean, of course, he asked about baptism because Philip had to teach him about it. So this man learned some things. And of course, Philip was from Galilee. Galilee was the poor part of town. This guy was an important official. I mean, this is like David Cameron uh, studying the Bible with a brother from Stratford or Brixton or something like that. <laughs> that's the social divide that's, that's portrayed right here God is preaching a message even in that and of course we understand what happens here it says in verse 39 when they came up out of the water the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch didn't see him again but went on his way rejoicing Amen. fired up the fact that he was still saved he got, he got the salvation Angels are involved in salvation. You know, I, 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 never get, I never get tired of seeing people come to Christ. And I, I never forget, you know, see, seeing little Ibby come up out of those, those waters last week. You know, see, seeing her just be, become, uh, you know, the, the, the Nigerian eunuch. <laughs> Studying the Bible right there. I never forget seeing Kia Pope become a disciple. And just seeing a miracle, seeing these two young ladies right there. It's going, wow, the angels were involved in them becoming Christians. You know, seeing our brother Michael Kishore a few weeks back get baptized and become a disciple. He 
He's got his shirt and tie on there. He's, so, he's going to be preaching the word real soon here. <laughs> to think the angels are involved. The angels were involved in helping him become a Christian. You know, we here as the church, we as a movement, we need to be a church of angels. We need to be a city of angels. I understand that is our church in L.A., but in London, this, this, this group here, we need to be God's angels that preach the word, that drive out demons, and to God be all the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H dot org dot UK. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one